Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Welcome into our program for Wednesday here on the Leach Report. And glad to have you on board as we make it over the hump of the week. Keelan resumes the spring meet today. Uh, We will talk on our program with Jack Pilgrim from KSR. He was up covering a uh, high school basketball event in Indiana last weekend. And uh, Reed Shepard was playing, among others. So we'll talk with Jack about uh, basketball. We'll talk with Jeff Pecoro, my U.K. network broadcast partner, about Kentucky football after we work the spring game. We'll get Jeff's thoughts on what he saw. And Keith Farmer, same deal there. We'll talk a little U.K. football and also some U.K. basketball with Keith, co-host of BBN Tonight and the U.K. game day show on WLEX here in Lexington. That is our guest lineup for this Wednesday. Wildcat News of the Day, presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. And Giuseppe's is the great place to go for any special occasion, like a day at the races at Keeneland, and uh, you're looking for some place to go after the race day's over, head out to Giuseppe's. It's a really fantastic menu that you can check out at Giuseppe'sLexington.com. They've been there over a quarter of a century, tucked away off Nicholasville Road with a fantastic and really could be romantic dining experience as well for that really special occasion. All right, let's get a little Wildcat news here. 24-7 Sports with a report that Shaden Sharp is going to announce that he's entering the draft, but will keep the option of returning to U.K. Open. Uh, again, I would say the, the sooner that's resolved, uh, the better. I don't think anybody's surprised at this point uh, if Shaden does, in fact, announce that he's going to enter the draft. Um, but as long as there's a chance that he might come back, then I would think it's going to be hard for Kentucky to make much headway with some potential transfer targets, and they would need uh, one if he heads off to the NBA. Um, The combine for the NBA is set for May 16th through the 22nd, but for a guy like Sharp, individual workouts are going to be the key. Um, Mike Pratt, normally with us on Thursdays, uh, Mike's traveling this week, so we'll get him back uh, next week, but... Uh, we'll get his take on, you know, how that process will work for a player like Shaden. I know from talking to Mike, he said NBA folks, a lot of them are going to be leery to uh, take a strong stand, i.e. a high draft pick with a player that they haven't seen play uh, since last summer and haven't seen play against uh, major college competition. So those individual workouts, teams can 
simulate some game situations. They can make those as, as difficult as they choose to and bring in you know as many players as they want to uh, simulate a situation. So that's where the, the key, I would think, would come for uh, Sharp to get evaluated. Uh, a lot of the mock drafts have him in the, uh, the top ten, uh, somewhere in the higher end of the six to ten range is where the mock drafts put him. But, again, they haven't seen him play since last summer. So I, I think these individual workouts will be key to either validating that opinion that's in the mock drafts or uh, having it change. And if it change and he starts to drop, then maybe that's when he would consider coming back to Kentucky. Jacob Toppin declares for the draft, uh, but is not going to hire an agent, so he leaves open his uh, opportunity to continue his college game at Kentucky. And for Jacob, makes sense. I mean, you can get evaluated. He's three years into his college career at this point, hasn't done it, so why not get the evaluation, see what they say? And a lot of times that can be a great thing for a player if they uh, tell them they need to you know, work on something that maybe the coach is already telling them to work on. It just reinforces that opinion. So uh, I think that ultimately Jacob will be back with Kentucky next season would be my guess. Uh, from the Also from the as-expected file, offensive tackle Tyler Steen, the Vanderbilt transfer, committed to Alabama yesterday. Uh, there was a report a few weeks ago that Kentucky was out of the mix and then reports that uh, Kentucky was back in and maybe in it till the end. But ultimately, it uh, was Alabama that won out for Tyler Steen at left tackle. So Kentucky either rides with what it has, and it was uh, DeAndre, DeAndre Buford in the spring game. You know, Horsey slid out there in the bowl game, so that could be an option. Or they uh, try to find somebody in the portal. But um, you know, there's not a lot of those uh, proven offensive tackles out there yet. Maybe somebody enters after spring ball. We'll see. If they know there's an opportunity at Kentucky, maybe a veteran guy uh, puts his his name in for consideration or into the transfer portal, but hadn't happened yet. Softball, number eight, Kentucky. Run ruled Louisville, nine zip yesterday. A no-hitter for Stephanie Schoonover in the circle. And on the baseball side, Kentucky routed Bellarmine 11-1. Ryan Ritter had a three-run homer for Coach Nick Mingione's club. And uh, now they head back out on the road in SEC play to Missouri for an Easter weekend series. Links to the stories that we talk about each day, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page. That's at TomLeachKY.com. We'll head to a break, come back with Jack Pilgrim. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Find out more about the Voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. 16 past the top of the hour on this Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. We welcome to the program Jack Pilgrim from Kentucky Sports Radio. And you also hear him with Anthony White, Larry Vaught on the Sunday morning show here in the Lexington Market on WLAP. And uh, Jack, you were up in Indiana last weekend watching an AAU event. And uh, Reed Shepard was among the players there, right? He was, yeah. It was a uh, an interesting uh, showing for him, kind of an up and down performance throughout the weekend. A lot of good, uh, some bad, but yeah, it was, it's a, it was a lot of fun. I'm sure you've seen him before. So, what did you see here you know, against you know top flight competition uh, that you hadn't seen before, or any growth or change? 
Well, you know, Reed's a guy that, you know, he's very selfless and tries to, you know, play within the team in settings like this. So it's kind of hard to evaluate uh, him at times. Uh, You know, he's a guy that that when he plays at North Laurel, he clearly puts the team on his back and, and, you know, carries the majority of the scoring load. So, you know, you kind of get to see him uh, in that score-first mentality. But when he plays in settings like this, he's definitely more – defer to his teammates, try to be a playmaker, defend, kind of do the other little things. So, uh, you know, he'll randomly go off for 28 points. There's a triple overtime game against one of the best freshmen in, in high school basketball. Incredible game. It was like 111 to 103 final. It was phenomenal. Uh, he scored 28 points, really played aggressive, and, and really looked to score the ball. It was his best performance of the game. And then the next morning he scored like five or six points, barely even tried shooting the ball. Uh, but he comes up with like six or seven steals and several rebounds and, uh, you know, a handful of assists. So it's kind of one of those, how do you evaluate a guy when he kind of plays within himself, plays within the system? Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of chatter up there about, uh, we needing to, you know, kind of go the prep school route, but then maybe he needs to get used to that type of setting in a, in a long-term situation as opposed to just a couple weekends here and there throughout the spring and summer. So, uh, I thought that was a little interesting that, that I think there's a uh, national push to get Reed to, to leave North Laurel, which uh, I hadn't heard much of before that. Do you see him as a you know catch-and-shoot uh, on the wing guy in college or a guy who can uh, do more than that, or is that still to be determined? Yeah, I think that's still to be determined, and I think it really does depend. You know, my gut says that he stays at North Laurel and, and kind of, you know, goes try, try to get back to that run to the uh, championship at, at Rupp and, and, you know, kind of the teammates that he's been around forever. I think that's something that he uh, kind of holds near and dear to his heart. So I think that's what he'll end up doing. But I would uh, like to see him kind of do a little bit of both. I think he's very comfortable with the ball in his hands, very impressive. His, his court vision is very nice, uh, an impressive passer. Uh, but I mean, he, again, he, in that type of setting, he is another really impressive guard next to him, Gabe Cups, who's, who's committed to Indiana. Uh, you know, but kind of similar on ball type guy, another shooter, another kind of go first, score first guy. Uh, but he sits very nicely next to him as a kind of a catch and shoot guy. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how he develops and what he prefers here, uh, this next year, his, his senior year. Uh, my gut says that he'll end up being kind of an off ball catch and shoot guy at Kentucky, but, uh, don't, don't discount how good of a, of a playmaker he is, too. That's something that's, that definitely caught my eye this weekend. I hope he stays at uh, North Laurel just as a basketball fan. Um, I think kids should, uh, you know, it, unless they just don't want to. I mean, you, number one, you should do what you want to do. But uh, I think you should strongly consider staying with your high school teams, and I think you should strongly consider playing multiple sports. And I think everything else will work itself out. And if you're really good, you'll do just fine. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the mentality when when people ask me because there uh, there's apparently some uh, IMG buzz that IMG is really pushing hard for him. I know that Oak Hill made a couple calls about him, really, you know, because they see what he can do, they see what he's done in North Laurel, and they're kind of just you know poking around, saying you know. If, you can do that there. What do you think you could do on ESPN every night? And, you know, playing at the Hoopal Classic and the NIBC Invitational, all that high-profile high school events. They're like, you know, that there's clearly some appeal to kind of learning how to play in a system like you would at Kentucky on the national level here in high school and kind of better prepare you for that. So, I mean, I see both sides of it. And, you know, I'm interested to see what Kentucky would prefer him to do. 
Uh, so he's kind of better prepared to be in the spotlight. But you know what? You're only a high schooler once. You're only, exactly. uh, you know, he's been growing up with these with these kids his whole life. So, I mean, there, there's clearly a very big draw for him to stay at North Laurel. But I, I can't lie to you. There, there are a lot of conversations going on behind the scenes about that from, from the national level. Uh, anybody else you saw of note at this event? Yeah, several high majors, you know, Ian Jackson, the kid in the class of 2024 that has Kentucky written all over him, super athletic, long, aggressive kind of dog mentality defender, has a lot of like Case and Wallace to him, just really a high-level defender on that end of the floor. Uh, Koa Pete is a name that, that fans will be familiar with. He is a freshman 2025 class. He is put up 30-plus, I think, against Reed's team, he put up 24, 25. But uh, the, the night before against one of the best teams in the event, he put up 30 points, and he is a 15-year-old playing 17U, playing two grade levels up, and he is dominating the competition 6'7", 215. Uh, he is, you know, I think he's going to be the next Paolo Bancaro, kind of one of those 6'10"-ish uh, guys when he starts growing, 6'10", 240, 250 but plays out on the perimeter, he's he's a freak. He's going to be definitely a name to uh, keep a close eye on. So those two, I think, were the most impressive. But there's a long list. There's another name, Flory Bedinga, out of uh, Kokomo, Indiana, who doesn't have any offers, was the most uh, unknown player going into the weekend. Uh, and I think he left is uh, arguably the best big in the class of 2024. So I think he's going to have a lot of high major interest as well. Wouldn't be shocked if Kentucky gave him a shout here in the next uh, several months, but yeah, I think those were kind of the three biggest standouts outside of Reed uh, that I saw with my own two eyes. Kentucky should sign him, if only to uh, allow us to play the Beach Boys song more often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, uh, that'd be a little bit difficult. Uh, the pronunciation is, is a little bit difficult, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Kentucky fans would definitely have a lot of fun with that one. Um, what's your take on the? Um, Story that Shaden Sharp is going to declare for the draft, and the uh, news that Jacob Toppin has done that. I, I'll start with Toppin. I think it's fantastic news on Kentucky's end. I think that the, he, uh, that the program has always expected him back. I think even he uh, expects himself back. But this is a kid that you you have seen just flashes of brilliance with him. You hope that uh, he goes gets his, his evaluation team say, "Look, you are." a jump shot away from being a first-round pick, and he takes this offseason very seriously uh, and, you know, really kind of locks in and, and develops that jumper, develops his, off, you know, kind of ball-handling abilities, and he, he already has the athleticism. He already has the, the measurables and, the, you know, dunking and all that stuff, defense. But if he can really just kind of fine-tune those things, I think he clearly has first-round potential, and I think he knows that, and that's why he's taking this, uh, this draft process seriously. I mean, I, I think everybody expects him to, him to be back, but I think it's a great decision on his part. Uh, you know, Shaden, again, I don't think that's a surprise. I think, uh, there was a, a long bit of, of hope within the program that, that he was going to come back. And I still think that door is, is cracked ever so slightly. I talked to somebody, uh, very familiar with the draft process last week that said he hadn't started the paperwork, started, hadn't, uh, you know, filed anything and, uh, that's different from other players of kind of similar um, caliber that they have already begun the process. So that that was something that, uh, at least if you're looking for a sign of hope, that's definitely there. But I think uh, it's time to start kind of exploring the transfer options. I know that they're uh, looking out on the wing, hoping for you know somebody of substance that can give you 15, 16, 17 points a game like Shaden Sharp could next year. But, uh, yeah, I think the uh, the – uh, cautious 
cautious optimism that they had has kind of you know slowly turned into maybe a, a sliver of hope, and that even is starting to fade just a little bit within the program. So you know, never say never. I talked to somebody close to the program that said you know that that exact quote, "Never say never." But I, uh, I I'm starting to definitely think that we're going to be needing a shade and sharp replacement next year, which is not uh, the easiest position to be in if you are Coach Calipari. Would it be correct to assume that it's hard to uh, land a transfer until Shaden's uh, plan is definitively known? Yeah, and I think it's just such an interesting di- dynamic, too, because you don't know what's going to happen at the point guard position. I think that Cal is looking for upgrades at all positions, and, and you know they're obviously waiting on Oscar Seaway, but the, you know, very positive signs there, building a team around him. You know, do you add two shooters, two primary scoring wings, and, and say let's run it back with with Xavier Wheeler? You know, kind of capitalize on his playmaking and, and what he brings to the table on that end. You know, do you go a defensive heavy lineup with him at the one, uh, Casey Wallace at the two, and then add a guy like Terrence Shannon at the three, who's you know the Texas Tech transfer who is known as a high level defender. He's deciding between uh, you know Michigan, Illinois, Kentucky, and UNC's kind of a dark horse there too. So. Uh, you know, it really depends on what the rest of the roster makeup is. If you, you know, find a high-level transfer that is an elite shooter, kind of elite, uh, you know, won't turn the ball over, you know, kind of the opposite of what Xavier Wheeler is, you know, maybe that's something you explore because you saw how the end uh, of the season went uh, for, for Kentucky this year. So I think there's a, it, it all depends on, it's, it's going to be a domino effect of different positions, what Cal uh, and his vision is for next year's roster, what he, you know, prioritizes in terms of ball security, in terms of shooting, and in terms of playmaking. I think it's going to be a domino effect for the rest of the roster. At uh, KentuckySportsRadio.com to read Jack Pilgrim. Hear him on Sundays uh, here on the Sunday Morning Sports Talk Show. Thank you much. Thank you. And, uh, by the way, those guys on Sunday are pre-recorded this weekend because of the Easter holiday. We'll come back with Jeff Picoro in just a moment. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Only about a minute away from the heartbreak at the bottom of the hour, so we will catch up to Jeff Picoro coming out of the bottom of the hour break. Uh, let me take a second to uh, talk about the return of the spring meet at Keeneland. And today it's an eight-race card that uh, will kick off uh, a little after 1 Eastern time. And if you are looking for a uh, a price, take a look at the allowance feature, the seventh race. This is my uh, long shot pick that's going to be on the Today at Keeneland show later today. Who's the star? Uh, second time out for the Mark Cassie Barn last time. Uh, produced a best buyer figure. And now Flavian Pratt signs on to ride. And if you've been following the races out of Keeneland through the opening weekend, he was red hot. So... Pratt taking the mount kind of caught my attention on this horse, who is 12 to 1 in the morning line. So take a look at who's the star. Halfway home on the Leach Report. We'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Return, refresh, refuel at more than 70 Clark's Pump and Shop locations all across the bluegrass. And they are 
family-owned. Go to MyClarksPNS.com if you'd like to join their team. Jeff Pecoro joins our team right now to talk a little Kentucky football. See and I and Dick Gabriel were on the call Saturday out at snowy Kroger Field. That was a crazy weather day. Well, it sure was, Tom, but I really thought that you were calling me about the uh, ninth race tomorrow at Keeneland. <laughs> and yeah, you have you a little stake in that. that. I got all day to talk about that. Well, well, well go ahead. T- tell us why it's significant to you. It's significant to me because it's the first horse my brother's bought that's ever going to run at Keeneland. So we're all excited to see two birds, the three horse in the eighth race tomorrow. Uh, I'm sorry, the ninth race tomorrow. Hopefully it wins. It's got Jimmy Graham or James Graham on him and that's uh, owned by uh, or trained by Hiles. So Jeff Hiles. So Kenny McPeak's uh, longtime assistant. So uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, uh, Jeff Hiles, I think, uh, yeah, he already has a winner at the meet. Yeah, so, yeah. So first time starter, 20 to 1. Yeah, how about that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> this Good, is uh, Whitney. It was out of her, uh, her stable, and so we're all excited. Well, good uh, good luck. Hope to see you in the winter circle. Hope it doesn't snow like it did on Saturday. <laughs> no, I, th- I think you're going to be safe tomorrow. It's supposed to be really nice uh, for the next, uh, well, after today, after we get through some rain maybe today. Yeah. And uh, tomorrow morning, I think, uh, Friday, the Thursday afternoon uh, through the weekend is going to be good. Um, yeah. What would you take away from the spring game? Um, you know, it, it was very vanilla. But what I was looking for was really a little, the leadership it had, the continuity um, that they seemed to bring over from last year. And really, there was, we didn't see many mistakes. We didn't see the coaches having to stop and, or, or really two to the guys on the sidelines. They're getting in wrong formations, uh, things like that. I, that's the thing that I thought was really good. Uh, leadership that Will had, uh, especially on that offensive side, that first-team offense went down the field twice and scored under him. Uh, those are the kinds of things I was looking I was looking for uh, – uh, the depth on the defense, which they seemed like they had a lot of that, especially at linebacker and the defensive front, and that was without Oxendine. Um, I, I liked the way the uh, left tackle and right tackle played on offense, too. You had Buford and you had Flax out there that started things. and uh, So those are some of the little things that I was looking for because I knew they weren't going to show you a lot. Let's talk about the quarterback, and Will Levis. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, heard some of his teammates talk in post-practice interviews during the spring about – uh, Levis, and you can tell there is a tremendous respect there for from, and this is from comments from guys on both sides of the ball, defensive guys as mm-hmm. much as the offensive guys, and talking about you know his leadership or what a strong leader he is, and you just kind of watch the way he carries himself uh, within the context of the team, and it it, it feels a little like, uh, and I've said this before, the the a couple of strong leaders at quarterback that came to mind for me were Tim Couch. And Derek Ramsey, in terms of just the way they commanded uh, the uh, the team or uh, a room, and I probably should put Bill Ransdell into that group as well, a guy that you played with. It was a you know a yeah, strong leader from you the know, Tom, when spot. you see a guy that's out there busting his butt and uh, playing banged up and is going to lower his shoulder and run somebody over and and is out there the extra twenty minutes at practice or thirty minutes before practice and. It's always in the weight room, and it's always watching film. Those are the guys you're going to follow. Uh, those are the guys that you want to play for, and he's that just that kind of guy. Uh, you know, I think the the second year here, he's going to improve leaps and bounds. Uh, yeah, it's just the, the leadership qualities are all through, there with this guy. You know, he's a little bit older too. You know, he's already been in college for what four years now, and so I mean, these, the the kids are. Uh, 
I call them kids. They they follow him. Um, he's vocal, but you know he's also one of those guys where he's done it. He's not asking you something that he's never done either because he's right there in the trenches with you. If it's working out, if it's running, if it's staying out late and 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 pass, you know, throwing and 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 uh, you know just just working late after practice and things like that. That's what you want to see out of a quarterback. He checks every one of those boxes. Uh, see if you agree with me that uh, I think at least to start the season, that the, the offense may need to to carry a little greater share of the burden because uh, mainly because of the defensive side. You've got a, you're going to have a first-time starter at one cornerback. You're going to have mm-hmm. you know, Geiger's first time starting, always played some. Uh, you lost you know, a, a nickel guy in, in Tisdale that could be very versatile, so mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have somebody that's less uh, polished or less, ex- less experienced in that role. And I think they'll they'll – Grow with each week and and uh, you know be a solid defense. But at the start, say by that you know game two down at Florida, uh, they're going to need uh, you know Levis and, and his guys to maybe carry a greater share of the burden. And I think that they can. Yeah, no, you're you're. I think you're exactly right. And as I said last year, I thought last year the second game against Missouri here at home was the key game on the whole schedule. And I think that's true this year. That like you said. The second game, so they're going to get one game <laughs> to try to get get right on the defensive side because game two is going to be crazy down in Florida because they're kind of in the same situation as Kentucky, is, although they have a new head coach, but um, you know they have a new regime in their seat. You don't know how they're going to attack you, um, but you you know this that that game is for me the key. If this team can win nine or ten games in the regular season, they have to beat Florida. So to me. That's the game that propels Kentucky into possibly playing in a uh, you know the the, the 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 big six bowl games or whatever it's called that that they have now that um, that they haven't been in and win ten games in a season for the first time in the regular season since seventy seven. And it, it's not like it's this or bust, but getting to that SEC championship game is is feeling uh, more and more like a realistic goal than it, or certainly more so than it has uh, really ever before for Kentucky football, and they've been in a position, you know, last year they were playing Georgia in mid-October to have control of the the race for Atlanta, and in 18 they had a, a chance to be in that same spot, and come late November they hope to be in that spot this year, and if you can get that one down at Florida in week two, that gives you a big leg up on that. Well, Tom, the way I look at it is this. I look at what are your toughest away games, and you're th- I think there's three of them um, that, are, that are tough, and that's going to be Florida, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. And when you look at those three games, to me, all three, it's not like you're saying, okay, they can't beat Georgia if they play them at Georgia. They have Georgia at, at, in Lexington, so that gives them a, a, a real shot because they, you know, you're at home. But none of those three games are really, you're going, it's going to take a supreme effort and they have to play perfect to win any of those three games. Don't you agree? I mean, that to me is how I look at a schedule because you're going to win – you know, it, because you're at the point now with this program, you're going to win six, seven, or all eight of your home games. So to me, it's the away games, and uh, those are the three. And, and, and again, I think that all three of those games are winnable. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's um, – I, I told uh, – I've said this before on the show back in – I guess this would have been the December of 19, Kentucky was playing out in Vegas – and they had just had, I think there was the signing day, the December signing day was, was that day. And I uh, ran into 
Uh, Mitch Barnhart in the lobby of the hotel. We were just talking about football and the signing day, and you know they're going to sign a really good class. And I said, "Yeah, I think Mark is trending in a way. With, you know, and now with this class, which would have been the the nineteen twenty class, I said, I think mm-hmm. that Kentucky is in a position where the guys that are signing that day, which uh, would have been the uh, the they would have been freshmen in twenty twenty. I said in in the time there at UK, Kentucky will make it to an SEC championship game for the first time. Wow. Just just to get there. and But that's five years. So that's 20, mm-hmm. 21, 22, 23, 24. So, you know, we're about hitting the halfway point this year. And, um, you know, you, you uh, this is a, you know, I think they think they have the potential to do that. Um, and uh, I'm guessing that is a, you know, I, I think the players talk about that too. They sense that. Sure. Well, Tom, I think that, you know, when you look at the core of this team, especially with what came back for those, whatever you want to call it, the super years, I mean, and you have to start with that linebacking core, which is the best that's ever been in, in the history of UK. And there's been some great linebacking yeah. cores, but I mean, you got, you really have six guys because I include JJ and, and, uh, uh, you know, in that and, and Jordan Wright in that as well. But those six guys could play for any, I'm talking Alabama. They could play for any and Georgia, any team in the SEC. Look at the, you've got Derek and who's got great size. You, you got, um, you know, for Square to come back and Jones to come back. He's already played at, you know, two SEC schools and started and played well. I mean, this is just loaded at linebacker. Then you look up front and really when Oxidine comes back and what we saw in the spring game, you're going to have six to eight guys to rotate for those three spots. So you're going to stay fresh at the defensive front. And that is really going to help the defensive backfield. I'm not worried about Valentine. I'm not worried about Geiger. You know, there are a couple of holes. Andrew Phillips, I thought, played really well. There were a couple of guys who really stood out in spring in the defensive backfield. And I think that those guys are going to take giant strides this year, and I think they're going to add a guy through the portal before, uh, you know, before fall practice starts. Yeah, that would, uh, that, that would be, I think, a, a big need is to add a little depth there. Where else? What, mm-hmm. Tackle, I assume, if they could find somebody in the yeah. portal would be nice. It's, it's hard to find I, offensive tackles that are good enough to play in this game. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to find. There's one out there that they've been courting, but several teams are. If he comes here, it'd be a giant boost. You know, you we, look, they're, they're good. They're deep at every position. I think that's the biggest, and you, you Mitch probably talked about this, before, even back to when I played, if somebody went down in the starting 11 on either side, it was a significant drop-off to the backups, right? That's not the case anymore. Um, you know, you have to look for a guy like Burton, Jagger Burton. He's got to step up. He's a five-star. He has to step up and play like that. On the defensive side, Jordan Rogers, he was a five-star. He has to step up and play like that. If that happens, then they're going to be okay. I'm a little, I'm a little more worried about the offensive front than I am the defensive front. But like you said, if they're able to get one more guy at tackle, then you're looking at a rotation of probably eight guys, and that's kind of what John built here years ago was getting those guys where you could take one of them out each series after the first two series, and everybody stays fresh that way. And if they can do that, then they can go a long way. Jeff Pecoro. Thank you much. Uh, you, Hi, he's, buddy. He's in the uh, real estate game now, so you can uh, find him at the brokerage as well. And it's at Jeff Pocoro on Twitter, right? You got it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, sir. We'll be right back with Keith Farmer on the Leach Report.
This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Eleven away from the top, the hour. Keith Farmer joins us from LEX 18, co-host of the BBN Tonight Show and BBN Game Day. Uh, Keith at uh, Chili Kroger Field on Saturday. Um, what players kind of caught your eye that you're most excited about watching next season? I think first off, I have to preface it with the fact that I was uh, wrapped up and shooting the game uh, for us, and uh, so it's kind of hard, you know, instead of being up in the press box where you can look down and you can see exactly all the movements that are going on, sometimes I'm focused on the ball. But that being said, um, I I kind of agree with, uh, you know, what Pick was talking about with the early, you know, couple of drives just to see how well they moved the ball but then I think if there was somebody that stood out it was um Tavion Robinson you know who didn't have a lot of catches but you saw a couple of times where you could see his shiftiness and how he can really move a little bit like uh Wandell in, in that case and then um to see Dane Key getting open uh, I think he dropped his first one but then he came back and he had the touchdown catch I didn't see exactly how he got open at first but um Obviously ran a really good route to, to get there and, and to get hit for the touchdown. Um, you know, other than that, I, I think I saw a few things that I liked on the offensive line. I did focus on them a couple of times. Uh, Keontae does have a ways to go. I saw him, you know, not quite getting the job done once. Um, but I, I still see so much promise for such a big guy that's just getting this thing started and should be in high school. Yeah, there was a, one play I did catch, and like you, I'm – doing play-by-play, you're following the ball so you don't catch a lot of offensive line work, but there was one where, uh, I can't remember who the quarterback was, but he was looking to to throw to his left where Goodwin was, and there was a blitz that came off that edge, and he got outside, picked it up, so he showed nice footwork there. Yeah. He's a guy that I would think you, um, you know, there's so much upside there. If he if he can handle the, uh, the adjustment of uh, playing at this level as – you know, a true freshman that you'd like to work him into the mix and see how good he can get over the course of the year, but not have to start him. Oh, for sure. I, I think uh, game one, I think I would love to see him in the rotation, you know, just to see uh, what he can do at the college level. And, um, and he'll have some guys that are older than him that he's going to be going against. And, and like you said, maybe he doesn't have to start, but throw him into the mix and, and to see how he does, uh, you know, I, and, and I had the chance to talk to him last week and, He's a terrific kid. He really is. Um, you know, got up afterwards, asked me my name again. Thank you, Mr. Farmer. Um, you know, it's just, it's really neat to see. He's got a big smile and a love for the game and just, you can tell, is really enjoying being here early, you know, in his career. It's going to be a really fun offense, I think, to watch, providing they get what they need up front out of the big blue wall because you've got uh, a great depth at the tight end spot and uh, Vince Mara mm-hmm. was on with us uh Monday talking up Jordan Dingle who uh yeah. wasn't featured a lot in the game but he said Jordan could end up being at the top of the depth chart which is saying something with the guys that are in that room then you mentioned Robinson and Key you've got Baker coming in the Alabama transfer yeah um, so you've got some exciting prospects there not no one guy one go-to guy I don't think like Wandale Robinson but an assortment of guys. And then, of course, you got Rodriguez in the backfield and McLean, mm-hmm. and I know they're high on Lavelle Wright, and you got Smoke and Drennan <laughs> Flash the other day. So, you know, it's it's just it's going to be a challenge to uh, for Coach Gangarello to decide how to deploy everybody, right? 
Yeah, you know, and the thing that I, I guess I also picked up on, uh, especially afterwards in talking to Pick and talking to Dick Gabriel, was you know the fact that Kentucky did dump the ball down to the running back a, a little more than we've seen, and you know, a that's going to make them a little more dangerous, and they've got guys that can come out and catch the ball, and, and then you know the fact that you save Will Levis from having to run and uh, do some of those crazy you know, hurdles and dives and running through people and you protect your quarterback a little bit more. So um, I think that's maybe the part of the offense that, that we will see open up a little bit more uh, this year that maybe we didn't see as much of last year, which uh, could be exciting. Yeah, I think they can be really potent offensively, uh, more so than mm-hmm. you know. last year they were, were certainly better. I think they can take another significant step forward in terms of you know, points per game and, and that production this year. Yeah, and I totally agree with you that I think it's going to be on the offense to really get things going early until you know the defense can kind of catch up a, a little bit. Um, you know, not that we expect them to be bad, but we got guys in positions as you all were talking about that haven't started or that um, you know just are thin at certain positions. So I, I agree wholeheartedly with that on the offensive side. Keith Farmer, you can see him uh, weeknights on BBN Tonight on WLEX here in Lexington, uh, and then the BBN Game Day show on Saturdays, and uh, you can see him throughout the the, uh, the, new, the regular news and uh, weather and sports <laughs> as well. So you just find him in a lot of different places, including the show from time to time. So thank you. <laughs> no problem, Tom. Great to talk to you. That is Keith Farmer. Um, we're going to get to a break, come back and close it out in just a moment. Mellow Mushroom Slice of Wildcat History, this day 1969. Adolph Rupp, the Kentucky coach, was enshrined into the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Mass. A couple of Wildcat basketball birthdays. Former Cats Isaiah Briscoe and Derek Jasper are celebrating birthdays today. Shuffle Bean Coffee is a Kentucky-based company, and they like to say they follow the process of putting the quality into their coffee from seed to cup. Starts with the best coffee beans that come out of this rich volcanic soil down in Costa Rica. It's a Kentucky-based company, but they went uh, there to find the very best coffee beans that they turn into shuffle bean coffee. You can tell the difference in shuffle bean coffee just when you, you catch a whiff. Fantastic aroma. Taste is even better. You need to check it out for yourself if you haven't done so already. See why it's the official coffee of Rupp Arena in the KFC Yum Center and several Lexington restaurants. Pick up a bag at Central Kentucky Meyer stores. You can also order through Amazon Prime, or you can go to shufflebean.us and get a bag of the shufflebean coffee, green and white bag. Try it for yourself. You will love it. Uh, Abby Steiner, named Runner of the Week nationally, and in the SEC for her performance at the Joe May Invitational. She is uh, having a fantastic season for the University of Kentucky. Uh, That's going to do it for this Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. Uh, We will be back tomorrow. Mike Kratz traveling, so we'll get him uh, next week. But we'll have uh, Coach David Sisk from Cats Illustrated. Uh, I think Justin Rowland's out tomorrow as well. Going to talk to Pete Prisco, who covers the NFL for CBS, about Will Levis, too, tomorrow. Whenever you miss a show, and be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. 
See you next time, right here on The Leech. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.